Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, March 4th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Joe Biden emerged as a serious challenger to Bernie Sanders in Super Tuesday voting. Plus, the Federal Reserve made an emergency interest rate cut yesterday to help ease fears that the coronavirus would push the economy into a recession. But U.S. markets still tumbled by the close of trade. And we'll look at what plummeting demand for air travel is doing to one of the world's largest airplane makers. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Bernie Sanders took the key state of California in voting on the biggest night of the Democratic presidential primary race. But results in other parts of the country gave the Vermont senator a strong rival to beat, former U.S. Vice President Joe Biden. At the time of this recording, Mr. Biden had claimed victory in at least eight states out of the 14 voting last night, including Virginia and Elizabeth Warren's home state of Massachusetts. Mr. Sanders had taken at least four states, with Texas hanging by a thread. The FT's Lauren Fedor was at a watch party for Joe Biden in North Carolina, another key state he took last night. She has more on what Mr. Biden's Super Tuesday performance means for the rest of the primary race. Well, it looks like it's a very good night for Joe Biden. He has managed to capitalize on that momentum out of South Carolina at the weekend. The endorsements he had on Monday from Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar and Beto O'Rourke, they're all adding up to some pretty good results for someone who a lot of people had counted out just a, you know, a week or so ago. And Lauren, as we record this, we should say that there are still some results that need to be counted. But there is one main takeaway from yesterday, and that is this has become a two-person race between Mr. Biden and Bernie Sanders. Yeah, Mark, you're definitely right, because the important thing to remember here is that while we often tend to fall back on talking about who won what state, this is really a contest over delegates at the end of the day and who has the most delegates going into the Democratic National Convention in the summer in Milwaukee. I think most people expect that when the dust settles, it's going to be a, it's going to be a two-man race. Bernie Sanders continuing his message about an economic revolution and, and Joe Biden really pushing as as the candidate, uh, a unity candidate of stability and a continuation of really the Obama era. Yesterday, the World Bank announced it would make available up to $12 billion in funding for countries to improve their responses to the coronavirus outbreak. It came as central banks and finance ministers conferred over a coordinated response to the economic impact of the outbreak. But much of the focus was on the U.S. central bank, the emergency action that it took, and how investors reacted to the news. Here's Federal Reserve Chair Jay Powell yesterday. Earlier today, the Federal Open Market Committee announced a one-half percentage point reduction in the target range for the federal funds rate, bringing that range to one to one and a quarter percent. Now, the last time the Fed slashed interest rates by half a percentage point, it was October 2008, during the financial crisis. The FT's Jillian Tett explains the significance of this move. Well, one element that's very significant is it shows that the Fed is trying to be proactive and get ahead of any significant risk of an economic downturn. But the other significance of what happened on Tuesday is that the markets did not actually respond quite as you might have expected. Instead of rallying dramatically all through the day, they rallied a bit and then started to fall quite sharply as investors began to ask themselves, well, if the Fed feels that it has to do something quite so dramatic right now, does it know something that we don't? 
And that is also, unfortunately, rather reminiscent of what happened back in 2008. Yeah, let's go into that a little bit more. What exactly does it signal about investors' faith and the Fed's ability to manage markets? Well, one of the things that's very remarkable about the last few years is that the markets have been absolutely buoyed up by central bank action. It's not just the fact that central banks have actually cut rates and effectively pumped trillions of dollars into the global economy. And I should stress it's not just the US Fed. The Bank of Japan has been doing this even more, along with the ECB. But the other fact that's been buoying up the markets is this belief amongst investors that if a downturn did arrive, the central banks would ride to the rescue. They've been perceived as having a sort of magic wand that would manage to remove any threat or recession or panic or disaster or drama. And they've used that time and again. So what's very significant about what's happened on Tuesday is the Fed once again rode to the rescue dramatically with this 50 basis point cut, but it didn't actually calm everyone down immediately. Now, if you want to be optimistic, you say that's because one of the consequences of the Fed's dramatic cut was that the 10-year rate has gone below 1% for the first time ever. And that's a very important psychological barrier because essentially people are now saying, well, if the 10-year Treasury rate's gone below 1%, maybe it's heading to zero, and we've never seen that before in the US. So some people say, well, the reason why the equity markets have been falling is because they're panicking about what the implications of a sub-1% 10-year rate means. And now, Gillian, what does the Fed's actions signal to other central banks? Well, the Fed's actions on Tuesday signals two things. Firstly, all hands on deck. All the central banks around the world are going to be looking at what action they can or cannot take themselves in the coming days. Of course, it's a bit different for the Fed because they have rates in positive territory in the ECB and the Bank of Japan. They're at zero or just below zero, so it's harder to take action. But certainly the pressure is on all the central banks to act now. The second message, though, from what the Fed did on Tuesday is that the U.S. still very much recognizes it has a leadership role. It was very telling that when the G7 had their meeting on Tuesday, it was actually chaired by Mnuchin and Powell. And the U.S., for all of Trump's declarations about being America first and sometimes turning his back on the rest of the world, the U.S. financial community and the financial leadership is still acutely aware of the need to coordinate and collaborate with its partners around the world and to show leadership. And amid the turmoil in markets, there has been one set of winners, the people betting against Tesla. Just a few weeks ago, short sellers, who hold a collective $12 billion in short interest against Tesla shares, must have felt like they bet on the wrong horse. In February, the electric car maker's stock climbed to record highs. It hit $917 a share at one point. But as concerns over the coronavirus pushed U.S. stocks down on Tuesday, short sellers were able to make up some of their losses. Investors who bet against Tesla stock pulled in a nearly $3 billion paper gain. That's thanks to the company's 19% drop since the middle of last month. And from the road to the skies, airlines are struggling to cope with the coronavirus fallout. Over the weekend, passenger demand plummeted as the global spread of the coronavirus pushed the aviation industry into crisis mode. Carriers around the world responded with hiring freezes and slashing the number of flights. Current data show global aircraft capacity falling nearly 3% so far this year. Compare that to an airline trade group's earlier projections of nearly 5% growth for 2020. This has prompted Airbus to review its delivery targets for the year. 
It initially issued these targets just three weeks ago, projecting it would deliver 880 commercial planes this year. Airbus hasn't decided to cut this figure yet, but sources told the FT that some airlines were looking to get a temporary break on lease payments and that the manufacturer was in talks with airlines about possibly deferring deliveries. Airbus declined to comment. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.